I first became aware of Brian Salvatore a number of years ago uh, through his advocacy work for education in this city. Um, his project-based learning mentorship efforts within the Caddo Parish Public Schools are well known in the community, including the ASPIRE program, after-school program for innovation and respect for education, um, which he established through the LSUS in 2011. This man earned a BS in chemistry from uh, at magna cum laude, Lauda from University of Michigan, a PhD in organic chemistry um, from University of Pennsylvania, and followed that with a two and a half year postdoctoral fellowship in the chemistry department at Yale. He has twice served as chair of the Northwest Louisiana section of the American Chemical Society, and he currently represents this section on the National Council of the American Chemical Society. He is also a member of the ACS's National Committee for Project SEED, which is scientific experience for the economically disadvantaged. He has 25 peer-reviewed publications and two published patents in the area of organic uh, synthesis and cancer research. Um, and he's been trying to save our lives. His wife, Elaha, Elahe, and, and his daughter, Sarah, are with him here this morning. And we are so very pleased to welcome our this year's Emerson recipient, Dr. Brian Salvatore. Thank you. I I do feel like I'm among friends, and I'm very honored, and I appreciate that, that award very much. And it's, it's an award, really, not just to an individual, but to a wider community here that has stood up uh, to say that, listen, expediency and just the cheapest route to solving problems is not the right answer. Uh, the right answer is to use common sense and discretion. And I was really struck by one of the words in one of the sentences in the affirmation that you all read this morning by Wendell Berry. Um, after we're gone, the lives, our lives prepare, we'll live here. And that really is the very essence of my own spirituality. You know, we all have unsurety and doubt, uh, but our spirituality is really based on these principles. And I've, I've, I've been a chemistry professor here at, in Shreveport for 12 years now, and I can remember the day that we arrived here in Shreveport. We drove up to the Champion Lake Apartments, which is where we first lived, and uh, it was 12 years ago, but I can remember it like it was a couple months ago. And our daughter, Sarah, who had been uh, walking now for about a year, I guess, before that, really wanted to help, and uh, there was nothing left in the car to carry except a lamp and nothing else that was light enough. So we, we let her, she carried the lamp, and I can still remember her teetering down the sidewalk, but she made it all the way with that, that lamp. And 
Um, really, who Sarah is today is really as a result of this community, this school system, the people here, and we are so grateful to Shreveport for that nurturing. And uh, she wants to go on and become an environmental attorney someday, somebody who's going to protect the environment. So um, it's, it's been a while that I've been here. And it's not always easy living in Louisiana. I like to call it <laughs> a fulfilling challenge. And it's like a teeter-totter. And sometimes it's more challenging than fulfilling. And the, the last few months have been very challenging. Uh, but none of us who were involved in this effort could have done uh, this work alone. You know, we look at this flaming chalice here, the symbol of, of uh, spirituality. And, you know, scientifically, I know as a chemistry professor that I'm comfortable standing next to this chalice because I know that the molecules that are in here are so flammable and small enough that they're going to combust completely to carbon dioxide and water vapor. But science said different things about the, the molecules that were in some of those uh, additives that they put into M6. And it was a huge concern. And when uh, my, my probably the best friend I've made this year, Ron Hagar, I could call him my brother, my bro. <laughs> well, <laughs> when I first saw him with that sign out in Minden, and he, had, he makes the best signs about the government is going to poison us to save money, I thought, wow, this man is speaking the truth. This is really the case here. So we went into that first meeting with questions, the one in, 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 in the Minden Civic Center. And we saw to our amazement and our horror that there were no answers. The answers were hidden. They were hidden probably in classified data out in Dugway in Utah. Now, what are the, the factors here that were involved, that these emissions factors, how much of these materials are going to be dispersed? And so we were, we were very concerned. And even though we're still frustrated somewhat, uh, because the process is moving very slowly still. And they told us, you know, all along when we were raising, the, when we were raising all the objections, they were saying, oh, August 15th is a date you've got to keep in mind. We've got to get the show on the road. We've got to get this done. Now, at the last meeting, somebody asked about August 15th, and they said, oh, there's no deadline. Don't worry about it. We're negotiating again. And so we all have to be vigilant. But we are, we are grateful that the EPA ultimately did listen and tried to engage further in a dialogue with the Army. But we don't know how it's going to turn out. I have confidence that it is going to be a responsible solution. But I want to talk a little more today about spirituality uh, as I perceive it. And I don't consider myself a really religious person. Some of the best moments of fellowship I've had and where I felt that I would rather be nowhere else at, at the moment than where I was is actually sharing some times with some of the people in this room, um, whether it was at um, the men's group meetings that Bill Boswell hosts at his house or the interfaith group with uh, Susan and Lady Carlson. I've made a lot of friends, and, and I've also enjoyed myself thoroughly at the Louisiana Hayride concerts that... I enjoy so much the old country music. And so this community, and I try to tell this to my students all the time, this community, our environment, is worth fighting for. 
a lot. Uh, you don't just come to college to take in and then to go off someday and do something with it. You come in to learn how to communicate and to articulate your principles. And just going back to that affirmation, the lives, our lives prepare, will live here long after we're gone. So that is something that I really just live by every day. I fear sort of that once a problem at Camp Minden is solved, uh, and it will be solved, I'm, I'm at peace that it's going to be a lot better than it could have been, not perfect. But, but I fear that once it's solved, this grassroots effort that we have uh, is going to be lost uh, in the bigger picture. And, you know, there are other communities like Radford, Kingsport, Tennessee, that have experienced worse than we have up to this point, and they're having trouble rallying the people. We were able to bring people together to speak in unity. Uh, we definitely had uh, great help. Uh, representative uh, from Minden was a tremendous assistance to us. We would have not been able to do it without. Uh, but, but I fear that too often we get caught up, even when it comes to religion, we get caught up in fine details, politics as well, and we fail to see the big picture. We fail to see that all things in our lives can't just be classified as good and evil. We have to see that there is a course for us to go forward, to work together. And unfortunately, when we take this approach that everything's just good or evil or we have to you know, protect our spirit for the afterlife and we're so hesitant to react with others that are different from us. It's very unfortunate. We begin to see our surroundings as either a bounty to be exploited or a minefield to be avoided. And that concerns me a lot. And I say to the, the whole community, let's not do this. Uh, because by doing this, we're squandering the beauty and the gifts of life itself. And oftentimes, failing to trust others and form connections over little things. Uh, and people who are different from ourselves, we're, we're so hesitant to reach out. And yet, on Sunday, we leave the church sure that we're going to do this, but we just have these obstacles, these barriers. Um, we also are prone to anxiety about what we can't control or do not understand. And I'm count myself among those people. Uh, there, there's a quote I want to read, and I chose this quote because I think that probably, you know, I share the same spirit with a lot of people in here, and a lot of you are familiar with this quote. Uh, it was from an essay called Pay Attention by Robert Fulgham. He's known for the, the, the book, Everything I Know I Learned in Kindergarten, uh, but he's written a lot of other things too, and he's a, really a philosopher so, uh, Robert Fulgman says, if someone were to ask me whether I believed in God or saw God or had a particular relationship with God, I would reply, I don't separate God from my world in my thinking. I feel that God is everywhere. That is why I never feel separated from God or feel that I must seek God anymore. Then a fish in the ocean feels it must seek water. In a sense, God is the ocean in which we all live. And that is something that 
really hit home with me because I definitely am not able to personify or have an image of what God represents. Uh, one thing that I tell my friends and my family, though, is one thing I'm personally convinced of is that God is not a micromanager. <laughs> and too often, we, we think that God is involved in every single little detail of our lives, and therefore our rituals uh, will aim to that, okay, to try to seek to, and when we do that, we fail, really, to take enough responsibility for ourselves. Well, one of the site managers out at Camp Minden actually told the community during this so-called test burn that she would have no problem with bringing her own children over from Dallas to play in the Doyleen High School playground there while the full burn was being conducted. And when anybody raised further concerns, uh, such as Dee Blaylock did, uh, her response was, just pray. And that just did not sit right with, with any of us because um, it's really a mischaracterization of what prayer is about. Prayer is not devoid of taking responsibility and, and being careful ourselves. So one of the other things I wanted to say is that you never know where you're going to apply your own knowledge. I tell my students, learn these fundamentals, but this is not the end. You're going to apply this knowledge someday, and part of it will be chance or where you end up, where you apply it. So if, if when I was in Ann Arbor, and Ann Arbor's a pretty liberal place, but back then I was a serious student. I walked right past the protesters, and I'm going to chemistry class, you know. And it took a while for me to mature as an activist. But when I was in Ann Arbor, if somebody would have came up to me and said, you know, Brian, someday you're going to apply this lesson that you're learning today as somebody who's going to stand up against the Army and the EPA and raise a whole big fuss with chemistry. And I would say, I don't think so. And I would say, I know the, the pot laws here in Ann Arbor are pretty liberal. I think it was a, a $10 fine, but, you know, you might be overdoing it. <laughs> but the truth is that, you know, that I'm no expert in explosives or even in these, these propellant materials I use out there, but... You know, chemicals are chemicals, they follow certain laws, and these are laws of nature, and these are ways that, you know, what we learn in chemistry actually does matter and have applicability to helping people be safe. Now, chemistry was something I chose to study because it was difficult. It was a course that, that challenged me, especially physical chemistry, really challenging. And... Uh, it was also something where you could mix things together and the whole would be, the result would be greater than the sum of the parts. And that's the way I see people. In fact, the people in this church are like that when you get together in some of your activities that you do. Uh, it was the same when I was in the marching band in college. Same sort of thing, the synergy. Uh, but as difficult as chemistry was to me, is not as difficult as trying to understand personalities, even my own personality, trying to understand, trying to understand spirituality or trying to understand how people relate with one another or with the world. That is way harder than, than chemistry or any scientific area. And so a, a few months ago, I took a, a personality test. And this is, a, this is something that was based on the uh, Myers-Briggs personality test. Now, those, are, those of you that are hardcore psychologists, 
you might, you know, say, well, you know, that's old. But to me, it was meaningful, and I think there is uh, a basis for it. Uh, and, you know, we always build on things of the past. But if you're not familiar with this, there's four different categories, and you can be assigned one of two different things in each category. So you've got two times two times two times two, two to the fourth possibilities. So all of us can fit in one of 16 categories. And uh, you're either going to be an extrovert or introvert in your basic focus. Uh, you're either going to be thinking or feeling, so T or F. Uh, you're either going to prefer to live your outer life uh, judging or perceiving. And, uh, oh, there's one other one that, that, that in there, uh, sensing or intuition, how you actually prefer to take in information. So when I took this test, uh, I was assigned one of those 16 possibilities, and it was INFJ. And I looked at that, and I thought, wow, that's, that's a weird one. It was an unusual one, okay? Uh, and we're tormented people because we're introverted in a lot of respects, and yet because we're feeling, we're extroverted, and we can't hold that what we take in inside of us. So anybody who sees some of my Facebook postings knows that I'm a very extroverted person when it comes to expressing myself, but I'm very introverted all the rest of the time. And so there's a certain turmoil and conflict in us. And I thought, okay, well, let's see. There are some famous people that have these personalities. And you know I only talk about myself when I can shed light on a bigger picture. I don't just talk about myself here just to, you know, tell a story about myself. I think this will be useful. I hope everybody takes this test, actually. Um, there's Gandhi, Eleanor Roosevelt, Jimmy Carter, Nelson Mandela, Carl Jung himself, who was the basis of the people, Myers and Briggs, that followed, tried to put it into a more general context, and Spinoza. And I thought, great. And then I scrolled down, and there's these black boxes down there with faces in them and names under them. And these are all INFJs, too. And you've got Ayatollah Khomeini, <laughs> Osama bin Laden, Mohammed Atta and Robert Mugabe. And I was horrified, and I thought, oh my gosh. And this was only about four months ago. And I, how could this be? How could Eleanor Roosevelt and Osama bin Laden be of the same disposition? And I, I, I analyze it the way I would analyze something in chemistry, like an equation. I try to find the ingredient there that's the contaminant. Or the, and it came down that it's the judging. It's the judging. Now, judging by itself is not bad. It's one of these aspects here. Uh, but it's how we manifest judging. And, you know, I, I see now that I have to be careful about that because I looked at people that were, instead of being judging, had the other alternative there. So instead of having the J, they had the P for perceiving, perceiving, just taking things in without passing judgment. And I looked at, you know, who were these people, and there wasn't a single bad person on the list, the INFPs. The only questionable one I saw was Louis C.K., but in, in his case, I think the P is profane, okay? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not the J per se, not the J for judging, but it's really it's how we handle judgment in our lives and our need for closure. People that are INFJ, the J means we have a need for closure. And, you know, the human lifespan is only of a limited duration. And we become impatient with this need for closure. And so not only are we judgmental, we become judge, jury, executioner. We take justice into our own hands. And 
that is something that we need to be very careful about. So judgment and a lack of patience is a bad combination. And that's something I learned from that. And really, I, I started, I'm going to wrap up in about two or three minutes, but I started following Native American spirituality to try to provide a balance and try to understand, you know, how I could grow spiritually. And I really have a deep admiration for a lot of the Native American credos in the religion. Uh, and their practices really are different from how many Christians practice uh, Christianity, for example. You'll never see a Native American televangelist. You'll never see a Native American knocking on your door to spread the, the good word of salvation. And, and yet they are very spiritual. Okay? Their whole lives, their whole beliefs and practices form an integral and really a, a seamless part of, of their very existence. And few other cultures have such an innate respect for the environment and a lifelong bond with one another as the Native Americans do. And so this is something that I think has helped me to grow. And for example, the Cherokee rule of acceptance, despite all of the, their past hardships and pain, they really, they profess, they teach their young to profess no regrets about their lives. They say, learn from your mistakes and accept things in due time. You're not ready to live your whole life and understand everything by the time you're 25 or 30. And that's a mistake that a lot of us do. We try to take life in too quick before we even have the wisdom and the experience to really uh, understand it. So that, that's something to me that I think our political system also, how we conduct ourselves there, could benefit from. Uh, we could interact with each other better. Uh, and also, even the way higher education right now is a very difficult time. And when I was trying to profess to my students that you're not just taking information in, you're actually going to act on this and everything can be made into a learning experience. So I had them go to a town hall meeting with our chancellor right after the board of supervisors meeting, the board of supervisors meeting. And uh, they sat through it. And uh, we came back to the lab because it was in the middle of a class, actually. We came back to the lab, and they were ready to get to work. But I said, well, what did you all think? And they just looked up at me and stared at me. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And one student, he was a very nice student, young man, he said, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the hell out of here. <laughs> and I was, I was worried. I thought, oh, this experiment that I have just engaged in may have been a failure because they're not getting the right message. And I, told, I asked the question, and I often teach them by asking questions, is that what your grandparents said after Pearl Harbor? Is that how the people that made in the difference during Vietnam, is that how they acted? I told them, you're here to communicate, to learn, uh, and to take that knowledge and to be articulate with it and to affect change. And you're adults now. You can make as much change as I can. And I hope they benefited from that. I mean, we're a long way from Baton Rouge, but it was good to see 300 students down in Baton Rouge protesting to, to preserve their education. But I think, you know, right now the top scholarship is threatened, and... Tops is, is good, but it's, it's not everything. We need something more than Tops, I think. I actually call them, maybe we need a boomerang fellowship, something that will bring some of the people that have left and gained experience. I mean, leaving Louisiana to get your education, not a terrible thing. If you can come back, bring it back here, 
and do something with it. And, you know, we have uh, Frances Kelly herself, she went to Yale, we have Russell Honore, Dee Blaylock, these are all people that went out elsewhere and they're enriched because of having been elsewhere and just grateful, I'm very grateful that all of them came back. Eric First stepdaughter is a freshman at Berkeley now. These are good experiences for these students. We don't want to trap them in Louisiana, but we would love to have them come back here and benefit. So I think in addition to TOPS, we need to th start thinking about something else too, because leaving the state and coming back is probably the best scenario for anybody. Uh, and, and lastly, I just want to tell all of you how, how much I admire the efforts of the people in this church. You know, collectively, you are one of the pillars of this entire community. And you recognize we all need spirituality to recharge. But when we recharge, we have to recharge with positivity, not with negativity. And it's disappointing to me this week to see the, the bond issue fail yesterday. Um, I know that a lot of people put in a lot of efforts on both sides. Uh, the message is, well, come back with a better plan. But this was a renewal. How are we going to spend that extra $15 a month that we're going to save? One visit to Starbucks? Where there are schools that are lacking, there are buses that are lacking, air conditioning, there's not a school down in this area. People say build a private school. I advocate for public education, so I think we really need to keep supporting this. Uh, and the people that were opposed to it, I want to see more than just, well, let's close more schools before you get another chance. Uh, I, I would like to see more constructive feedback about the curriculum development and I'm not an advocate of all the testing that's going on. So I like how the people in this church also share their inner selves so that we can understand one another, which is one of the reasons why I shared that personality test result with you. And uh, lastly, I praise your activism. You know, whether we're eight years old or 80 years old, we all need to be activists. And remember, not every activist is, is an angry protester. You don't have to be angry to be an activist. Activists are, are people who want the world to reach its potential. And they're saddened when it doesn't reach its, reach its potential. And that frustration can be channeled into affecting those changes. So, um, you know, the ideas that are proposed and we have to be patient we have to be patient for those ideas to come to fruition. Well, thank all of you.